You are listening to Your Practice Made Perfect, support, protection, and advice for practicing medical professionals. Brought to you by SVMIC. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Brian Fortenberry and today we're going to be talking about really a critical issue, contract negotiations and employment contracts. And it can be very intimidating and an uncertain area for many of us. And to join us to discuss this and an expert in this area is Mr. Steve Dick. And Steve, welcome today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brian. Before we even really get started, Steve, I I know you have a lot that you've been involved in and and extensive background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your time here at SVMIC. Okay. I've been at SVMIC for the last 10 years now in a variety of roles. I spent a number of years in risk management, uh, leading a series of the presentations we did there for physicians and staff. But for the last several years, I've focused on the medical practice services department, which of course is one of the value-added services here at SVMIC, and we are the consultants who go out and work with physicians and their staff on the business side of medicine. A very valuable part of what we do, uh, certainly as well, and I think those people that take advantage of that would definitely agree to that. When we're talking about employment agreements and contracts, you know, they can be really confusing yes. and, and it can be difficult, certainly for those of us that that is not our forte. What are some of the key areas that you're going to find in these employment agreements and contracts? Well, the key areas that you really need to be considering as you go into the negotiation process are what are the mechanics of it? What does compensation look like? Define what the expected performance will be. Oftentimes, the overlooked issues are around behavior. How are you expected to conduct yourself as a physician? What is the interaction with your colleagues, with your staff members? And also, what does a separation from the employer look like? Most people don't think about that until it's too late. Honestly, you probably don't go in thinking about what your departure looks like. Well, no, no one ever gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. Right. And that is essentially what this is. And so you're having to really negotiate the end at the very beginning. What falls within some of these areas that we're talking about? Everything probably from your malpractice uh, coverage to, you know, the variety of, like you said, I didn't even think about what your behavior is or your interactions. What does that encompass? Well, there are a lot of things that go into these areas. Uh, Usually what most people think about in terms of a contract negotiation is what are they going to get paid? How are they going to get paid? And that has really begun to change over the last several years as Physicians, practices, hospitals are all being reimbursed differently and making this transition to quality-based reimbursement that is trickling down to physicians. So what kind of organization is it that you're stepping into? So that's one of the first areas. It's probably the most uncomfortable area for most people to negotiate. But beyond that, what is the schedule? How many days are you expected to work? What time are you expected to show up? Are there requirements around taking call? Will you be expected to make nursing home rounds to supervise advanced practitioners? When does your documentation have to be done? And if there are behavioral issues, who is in charge of correcting those? Are are there mechanisms that allow you to self-correct? And then, of course, if the relationship, for whatever reason, 
uh, you decide to part ways. And sometimes those are just about life changes. You want to move to a different part of the country. It's, it's time to slow down your practice. You want to do something else. The big issues there are who becomes responsible for what, who owns the medical records, who notifies the patients. Uh, if you're a partner in the practice or if you have ownership in the building, what are the mechanisms to get out of those? Uh, your professional liability insurance, who is going to pay that, the tail coverage, what are the requirements around that? So a lot of different things. It's really about what does it look like? when we leave one another? What is the most successful, cleanest cut way to do that? And if you don't negotiate that in the beginning when everyone is getting along really well, it can unfortunately get a little bit ugly. In your experience, is there outside people that often help negotiate this? Are there attorneys involved or is it generally just the employee or do you guys here at SVMIC, do you get involved in that at all? We do not get involved in the actual negotiations. Okay. We, we will review a contract. We will go in and talk about compensation models. This is what this looks like if you use this model, plug the numbers in and, and do this. Certainly, we can provide industry data on what the, the medium income is for physician, depending on what their specialty is, where they are, some of those different types of things. We do provide that information, but we always recommend that at the end of the day, whether you've done the negotiating yourself or someone else has been involved in the process, that you have an attorney review the agreement. Uh, Many physicians will have an accountant or perhaps their financial advisor be a part of that. I think most physicians prefer just to sit down with the people that they're working with. In a large practice setting, more than likely the practice executive is going to be representing the the doctors that you're joining. Right. And that can be intimidating sometimes as well. But do make sure that, that you're comfortable with the agreement and the assumption is always that the agreement will be enforced. Yeah, and the handshake, that's not as binding. It's not. It's not. And if you join a group and you're there five years, 10 years, 20 years, the players may have all changed. The The senior physicians That's that you made point. the deal with are gone. The practice executive has retired. There's no one there to, to remember those types of things. And that is one of the biggest problems we deal with. Physicians will call us and they'll say, oh, I'm leaving to join a group or I'm selling my practice or I'm retiring. And no one has given any consideration to what suddenly happens to all of this work that they've created. We were talking about early on, you said probably income is something that's very important, and you brought up the term compensation model. Yes. And you said based on that, they could call in, and you guys have information on different forms of compensation models, and you can help them with that. What are the different compensation models? That's kind of a new thing for me. Well, it's changing. The compensation models have changed over the last few years. For many years, physicians simply ate what they killed is, is how we refer to sure. it. Uh, the more patients you saw, the more you build, the higher your income. And most physicians were comfortable with that. As we've seen larger groups forming, the way that physicians are being reimbursed has begun to change. You have issues of overhead. How is the overhead divided? Is it divided based on your productivity? Is it divided on an even split? There are 10 doctors in the group. We all divide it evenly. And so because of some of those different changes, we've begun to 
to see that physicians are moving toward more of a hybrid type model that perhaps part of their income is based indeed on how much they're working. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, some of their expenses may be allocated in a more even sense. So that can vary that as well, too. Uh, Some groups make the decision, we all work, we all trust one another, and at the end of the day, we just divide what's in the pot. So it's important to know where you fall. It is very important to know that. And again, as we are moving toward more of a quality-based system, there are practices out there that have opportunities to earn higher reimbursement if their group performs well. Likewise, there are groups out there that will see less reimbursement if they don't perform as well. It's important to know how that impacts you individually as a physician. If the group does well, but perhaps you individually aren't doing as well, are you going to share evenly with that? Yeah. At the same time, are you comfortable if you are performing well individually, but the group as a whole is not? Are you going to accept those penalties also? And you hear this quality component, and that's really not that quality has not necessarily been a focus of healthcare in the past, obviously, but that reimbursements now are starting to be partnered hand in hand with this quality component. That being new, kind of in the new arena of healthcare, how does that affect the negotiation these days? Is it making it more difficult? And if so, how and what can they do about that? It is making the negotiations more difficult. Many groups are struggling to adjust to the new payment models. They are struggling to collect the data. They are struggling to demonstrate that they are delivering quality care. Certainly, we believe all physicians are working as hard as they can to take care of their patients, but it becomes an issue of the metrics that the payor is requiring you to demonstrate. So one of the pieces of advice I give physicians when they are joining a group or another physician is to ask what preparation the group has made for this transition. Sure. And to ask those questions, are you participating in the government programs? Are you participating with the insurance carriers? Uh, What do your quality metrics look like? Most of this information is publicly available. Okay. But they will very quickly realize how sophisticated the group is when they start asking these hard questions. And any group that wants a physician to join them should have no issue in answering those questions. And is some of that now linked to some of the healthcare insurance providers as well so they can negotiate these things even within practice to healthcare coverage companies now, correct? That's correct. They can negotiate some of that individually between the group and the and the insurance company. So it's probably a good idea to know what kind of negotiations they have had yes. because that's going to determine your pay, probably. That, that's a great question. Um, yes, they, they should know what the group's relationship with the payers is. If there's a large payer in the state and the group doesn't accept it, or doesn't have a good relationship with them, that may impact the ability to develop a patient base. Building on that, that is something that you might want to ask. As a physician begins the interview process and starts thinking about the potential of joining a group, whether it's right out of residency or, uh, like you said, life events change and you are moving to a different area or whatever the case may be, 
What are some things that you've come across in your experience that you say these are key questions to ask of either the executive or the uh, physician that is making the decisions or practice manager? And how involved do you get in looking at show me the hospital, show me this, show me that? What are some of those key questions that they should ask during that process? I, I think the most important question is whether the group, physician, hospital, wherever it is that you're looking at to join, whether it is a cultural fit for you as an individual. You have to ask the question, are these people I want to practice medicine with? Do they practice medicine the way I do? Uh, Ask some ethical questions. If we had this happen with a patient, how would you handle it? If we had this happen with an employee, how would you handle it? And there are a lot of different types of cultures out there, and and none are right, none are wrong. But you want to make sure that you trust the people that you work with, that you fit in with them. And the same is true as you were talking about the hospital. What is the philosophy of the hospital? Do they see physicians as a partner? Do they see them as a necessary evil? And (laughs) The best people to ask those questions are other physicians in the community to to ask the practice executive. And I also think it's very important that as a physician is looking at joining an entity, that they take the opportunity to examine the community. Is this where they want to put their children in school? Are they comfortable with where they're going to live? Can they afford a home? in the community. Sure. May be a great practice, but if you have to live an hour away to be able to afford a house, that's going to get old really quickly because you'll realize, oh, I'm not close to call. I'm not close to the office. Is your significant other happy with the culture? Are they happy with the area? If you have this constant conflict at home, it makes it very difficult to be happy. I encourage physicians to spend time socially with other members of the group to see if it's a good fit, if these are people that they want to be friends with. That's a very important component because you're going to be spending an enormous amount of time with not only these other physicians, but the nurses and the office staff and that hospital communication back and forth. And, you know, if you're a surgeon, you're going to be going to that particular OR and working with those uh, people there and that personnel. So, I mean, it really is a situation where you really need to investigate all of that because probably like any other position, a job that you might have, you're putting your best foot forward yes. in that interview process, but they're trying to put their best foot forward as well. And there's that, and then there's the realism level in there yes. of what it's going to look like on a daily basis. So with that in mind, what should you really know before you start negotiating? You're preparing, and maybe you've gone through the interview process, and you've decided this is going to be a good fit. Now i got to negotiate this out. Once you've decided that this is where you want to be, that this is a cultural fit, the two most important things that you need to know are what are you worth? What are your peers being paid for similar positions? Know that data and whether you get that from the Medical Group Management Association, whether you get that from your professional society, the medical association, wherever it is, make sure that you have good data on what it is that you are worth and then know what it is that you want. Okay. Uh, Is money the most important thing to you? Are you willing to trade off a little bit of money for better benefits or for more time off? Where is that work-life balance? of what will make you happy so that that you get up in the morning and you're still excited to go to work. What is probably in that negotiation process the most 
overlooked part, part that you think about after it's done and you go, man, I wish I had addressed that back in the negotiation part? Generally, the most overlooked aspect in an employment agreement is what happens when it comes time to sever the agreement. Someone hasn't performed the way that they should. You're not happy with the group. Whatever reason it is that the parties choose to split ways, we've not talked about what that looks like. So it's it's really very important that you make those decisions at the very beginning of what's theirs, what's yours, who does what, who gets what. Even though uncomfortable, it's probably less uncomfortable in the beginning. It is. It is because no one ever thinks that we'll have to deal with it. So sure, we'll agree to all of this now. Right. Then whenever it gets down to the end, if it's not an amicable split, it can get kind of ugly. and it can be. Uh, could be really fixed on the front end. As we begin to wrap up talking about these employment agreements and, and the contracts, if you had some advice for those physicians out there that really don't have a big business background. Maybe this is even the first opportunity they've had out of school and they're really having to get into these interview process and contract negotiations. What are a few of just the key points out there? And we've talked about many. What are a few of the key ones that you would say, make sure you focus on this? Make sure you focus on a compensation model that you understand Make sure you understand what is expected of you in a performance sense. Call, office time, documentation, supervision of other employees. Will you be expected to participate on committees or any governance models? Make sure that you understand what your benefits are, what's important to you. And then, again, that you understand how to terminate the agreement, and what that looks like. And if you don't have any background in contract negotiations, and most physicians don't, it's not what they go to school to do, you want to look to someone you trust, and more than likely that is going to be a healthcare attorney. Financial advisors are great, and they can Mm -hmm. talk to you about benefits. Your accountant certainly can talk to you about your compensation and those types of things. And most any attorney can review a contract and and understand the mechanics of it. But physician employment agreements are more sophisticated than the average agreement. So I do think it's important to get an attorney with a healthcare background, someone who has done this before. And if someone has some key questions on this and they're really confused and maybe this has sparked new questions within them today, they can certainly reach out to you or medical practice services, correct? Absolutely. We're, we're happy to do whatever we can and we'll answer anything we can. And if it's something beyond our scope, we will try to help you find resources to deal with that. Well, and we will have more information in the show notes uh, below that you can check on and get in contact with Steve and uh, the folks in his department. Steve, thanks for taking the time to do this. A very uh, important and often confusing topic, and we appreciate you coming in. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Practice Made Perfect with your host, Brian Fortenberry. Listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast, and find show notes at svmic.com slash podcast. The contents of this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and do not constitute legal advice. Policyholders are urged to consult with their personal attorney for legal advice, as specific legal requirements may vary from state to state and change over time. 